You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm Marquetta, and I make linen homeware and linen clothing for a living. Marquetta Kapal is the owner of Maison Lenko, where she designs linen clothing and homeware. When she was just a toddler, her parents fled communist Czech Republic and settled in Canada. Her love of animals led her to a successful career as a veterinarian, but as her life evolved, she decided to create a different kind of legacy. Here's my chat with Marquetta Kapal. Who are you and what do you make for a living? So my name is Marquetta, Marquetta Kapal. I'm used to pronouncing it more in French uh, because, um, yeah, I live in a, the French part of of Quebec. And uh, so what I make for a living now is clothes and kitchen bath uh, homeware, all made of uh, 100% linen. So making a living, that's, it's, a, it's a funny way to say it, because uh, I don't know if you, how many other makers you've interviewed so far, but um, some of us are, I guess, a lot of us also rely on a other source of income before we actually can really pay mortgage with, uh, with, with our craft. Uh, but that is eventually the goal that, I'm, that I want to, to do, like actually make enough money to be able to, to really uh, help out my family uh, with, with this. What got you started in making linen clothes? I've always really loved li- the linen fabric. There's something really, um, there's really something organic and and alive in linen when you when you hold up a linen fabric it doesn't it, it doesn't drape the same way as cotton or any uh, synthetic fabrics it, it just has a very uh, alive feel to it the smell also of linen reminds me of fields and and just generally the countryside really and i live in the country i've always wanted to live in the country and now i do and it's something that um, I think permeates in what I try to create. So it's like simple, clean lines that are you know wearable. Whether you're tending the garden or going to a play or you know anywhere where there's people around. <laughs> but you didn't start in 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 clothing. You've had a, a very different starting point, a very different career before getting into making linen clothes. Yeah, um, I studied veterinary medicine. And that had been like a childhood dream. But, you know, the, the more I think about it, I think we all have several childhood dreams, but some will get sort of not squashed, but just put on the side burners and, and we never think about them again. I've always loved animals like a lot of people do and just was had this ambition to become something of value, I find, I, I think, and and becoming something of value that I could bring value to others for me meant going to university, getting a degree. And as far as I you know, knew, veterinary medicine was a noble art. And it was very fascinating because it's very diverse. Uh, for someone with a curious mind, you can, you can really have a fulfilling career in veterinary medicine because you can work in so many different fields. So, so yeah, so I really, and I enjoyed like, my studies, and I worked 12 years in academia, um, in field practice, uh, mostly with horses, but I also worked in small animals. So um, I traveled, uh, you know, because I, I was a veterinarian. 
and I met my husband because I'm a, <laughs> he's also a veterinarian. So I don't regret any of it. But there came a time where you realize <laughs> after one kid, two kids, three kids, that there's a lot more to life than just a career. So what was it about linen then that drew you? I know you love linen, but lots of people love linen and they just go and buy linen. Like what, what made you think, I'm going to go and make this? Personally, I couldn't find something that satisfied really what I wanted to have in my home. You know, nice pieces for everyday chores, like, you know, cleaning, uh, cleaning dishes. Um, why should I be satisfied with just any rag? Like, I wanted a nice rag because obviously being at home with kids, you tend to clean a lot. And so those simple things, those simple everyday things, putting on an apron, they just took on a new meaning. And I wanted to give them importance because that was my new role. So, and I've always loved cooking as well. So just normal tools, like every cook will, you know, will say that having a good knife is, is important and is actually crucial to their work and art. So, so I had to switch focus of, you know, instead of now, I wasn't only a veterinarian. I was also a mother and a, and a wife, and uh, I needed to to find pride in, in that work as well. So having the right tools to do my everyday work, you know, kind of brought that pride and comfort, you know, I don't know, it helped anyways. And I figured I'm not going to be the only one in this situation. Um, and, and I'm sure I can at least uh, offer this to other people. But initially, it just started with me wanting to have the proper tools. And obviously, I've always been um, concerned with the environmental aspect of consuming um, goods that were not necessarily durable or that weren't meant to be used for longer periods of time. I mean, I think linen has always had a, a huge role in all our societies and has doesn't have to, we don't have to prove that linen is a durable fabric anymore. It's been proven times and times again, like quality linen, of course. And, and so that was what uh, motivated my choice for for the fabric, basically. It's a pretty big jump to go from being a successful veterinarian to selling linen for a living. How did you even know? Did you know how to make them already? Like, had you been taught? Well, I figured that I actually taught myself how to sew mostly. And, you know, by then, obviously, YouTube tutorials were, <laughs> were all the rage. So you could pretty much find anything. And um, honestly, I mean, between sewing up, live tissue on a moving horse versus sewing fabric that does not move and just, you know, can wait till the next day to be sewn is, <laughs> is not pressure. that big of a jump, honestly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but there are, obviously, there are, like, techniques, sewing techniques and pattern making and, and that sort of thing that I did learn, but I also found mostly seamstresses to help me, like, with the first prototypes and um, the first patterns that we, we make and even like drawing, um, a d design was for me, was unheard of. I drawn sketches when I was a child, but never as an adult had I, you know, drawn anything more than, than a prescription really. <laughs> so sketching, I took, you know, online classes for that and tried as much as I could to convey what I, what I wanted to the first people that actually helped me that 
that knew what they were doing. So, so I learned a lot from, from others. Um, I went to people who had experience. And then, you know, we often talk also about, you know, imposter syndrome, how, you know, you start doing something and you figure, wow, like, I'm probably really not the best person to be doing this. But, you know, at a certain age, we kind of stop, or at least a little bit less worry about what other people think. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, like, did you ever just doubt yourself? You know, did you doubt the idea and doubt yourself, your abilities and your skills? Every single minute of every single day. <laughs> I mean, we doubt what we do or the decisions we make all the time. I mean, nobody knows really what we're doing here and why we're doing it. So <laughs> so I, I feel that it felt good to try to make something. And when I went to, when I first started to go to shows with my stuff and, and started to actually interact with people who touched the products and, and, and used them. That's when I started to, to actually believe that I made a bigger difference this way than heading out in the middle of the night to see a colicky horse. Like, I felt like I had a bigger impact right. that way. Well, and so what is your ultimate hope and dream with this? What are you hoping to achieve? I don't know. I've always wanted to inspire others to try something that initially doesn't feel comfortable. or um, so, so I think it's more to set an example of a balanced life that, that fits my values. I mean, and it, it can, it, it'll be different for everyone, but to actually look at what your values are and then build your life around that instead of trying like we did when we first started out, like working as veterinarians, um, we had, you know, our, and it's normal when you start out, you, you need to work a lot. And, and I'm not against that, that not at all. Like, I, I really think that people should pay their dues when they, <laughs> when they start out and get that experience in life. But then as you, you know, as you, as you start to value your, your health or physical activity or um, nature, um, you need to make room for that in your life because it's, it's part of a whole. And I don't think you can separate work um, necessarily from family. And in, in my like personal experience, it's, it's interwoven, it's interwoven with your personality. So, so by, by moving away from pursuing a career that would encompass my whole being and most of my time, um, I moved away from that and made more room for physical activity, which like sports, nature, healthy, uh, just a general healthy lifestyle. And as well as this, like the business side, which is just one part of a whole, basically. How is your organization set up is it all just you or do you have folks you work with um yeah so i have a seamstress that i used to <laughs> come in for um, a few days a week so i'd handle most of the design process in with the like she'd help me out with pattern making and and, and such so i'd work the design the marketing area and every like the shows and and all that and and then most of the sewing, after I had initially done the sewing at the beginning, 
um, I left out like more of the sewing to a seamstress that had like 30 years experience. So <laughs> we were able to make more, you know, in less time and, and actually prepare for bigger shows that way. So, so that was how I used to be set up. And obviously things have changed uh, quite drastically for a lot of people in the past few weeks. Um, and so I'm, I'm sort of reorganizing how, how things might look um, for the next, because uh, a business like mine who isn't, like I don't have rent to pay, my studio is actually in my garage. Uh, we, we used to be in a room in our house we just moved to the garage uh, this past summer. So, so I don't have rent to pay. So I don't have anything that builds up and all my fabric, my suppliers are all paid. So I don't have that stress. So, so I'm one of the lucky ones, really. You'd mentioned marketing by way of going to shows and stuff like that. Is that your primary means of getting the word out and getting your product out to people? Um, I have an online shop. So, so I do work, I've been working with someone um, since the beginning of January. I actually finally, after two years of saying I would do it, I finally translated my website because it, it was initially just in French. I've also done work as a translator um, on the side for more veterinary professionals. So I, I, trans, like I can translate my own stuff, but doing it for my business was a really, yeah, you know how... It's a challenge. It like, it's a challenge doing it for yourself. So I, I rely heavily on social media to get like my message out. And that is like a constant learning process for, uh, for marketers. I think that, you know, or for business owners who wear several hats um, in, in a business. So you're, you, you have to post, you have to be relevant. You and, and the, the aspect I find most difficult in marketing is the fact that I, I want to sell something that embodies a non-consumerist lifestyle. And it's so contradictory, but, but it still needs the message. So how to convey that message is really, is really challenging for me. So I don't want to be the obnoxious seller or the, you know, the... <laughs> the person that tries to force you into buying something that you don't need. So, so I'm struggling a bit with that. I would say that would be my, my biggest challenge. I think a lot of artists and artisans run into that problem about how to sell. They're, mm. they're good at making what they make, mm. but the flip side is, is if you want to do it uh, ongoing, if you want to grow that side of your business, you're going to have to sell. Mm -hmm. So what have you found has been really successful for you? What's the, best way you found mm -hmm. of getting in front of people and, and having them understand what you're selling? I, I think I've had most success person to person, like at craft fairs and, and shows. And, and I, I know that's an important part because it's much easier for, for me to convey the message if, you know, I, I, like I, I embody my brand and, and I live the lifestyle that my brand is trying to, to portray. Um, so it's, it's much easier person to person to actually uh, speak of a physical product and, and show the person how to wear it, how to tie it, how it's, how the light shines through the, the, the thin linen versus the, the, the heavier linen. Well, and I think that's an important point is that most artists, they're able to convey their passion in person because they are, well, they're there and they're 
their piece is there or their product is there. Yeah. And I think that that makes it a lot easier for folks because they, they feel there's a lot less pressure and they're, they're not talking to a, a mass audience. But that doesn't happen online. That doesn't happen on social media. No, and that's the best way to actually reach a, a larger audience or to actually get the message across. And and, and also, I, I don't know why, I think it's a psychological barrier that a lot of us have to, to speak in front of a camera and, and to not want to annoy anyone. <laughs> our, so, so yeah, it's, it's a big challenge, but I find like even the, a few, the few videos that I've done have had relatively good success. I still have a rather small audience, but um, people that do follow me are really, they keep following me. I, I feel like the people that do like the product really love the product so they stay so so that's I think good but at the same time now I have to deliver something you know and, and I have that pressure that that I have to continue uh, bringing out new products and again without like I don't want to have like a, a, a seasonal collection every season something new something um, I'm I want to I've created more timeless pieces that can be worn season after season after season so Obviously, it's not, I can't come up with new stuff. Not that I don't want to, but it's just not part of, part of the values that I, that I want to convey. So We hear time and again that in the clothing industry, you know, the disposable clothes that everyone's buying is a colossal problem that no one's spoken about for a long time, and it's now come to light. Mm-hmm. So to have a brand that is based on buy once, use for a long time, care for it, mm-hmm. and enjoy it for a very long time, I think is a, an important message, and it's something that probably should be driving a lot of what you say when you're when you're talking to folks. Mm-hmm. What does a typical day look like for you? Typical week starts sort of with me cleaning out the, the workshops or the studio. Um, so we work with linen and uh, I do most of the washing. Like I wash all the fabric, even if it's pre-washed, I do wash the fabric before we cut and sew um, just to make sure it's, it's really shrunk to its actual size and that the clients have no um, no surprises. So there's a lot of uh, lint and, 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 and stuff that comes from natural fabrics in general. So, so cleaning is uh, like an integral part of, uh, of every day, basically. So I also do quite a bit of, I try to prepare some content on social media um, a little bit every day. I don't I haven't started doing really batch working as I probably should. I'm more like all over the place. So when when my seamstress is here, we typically work on on several different pieces at a time. So uh, we we make small batches. So let's say we're we're doing um, tea towels. So you know we cut and sew the tea towels, and then and then just to change the <laughs> the the mood we we go onto a piece of clothing that needs to be um, tweaked or, uh, you know, a pattern that needs to be a little bit rearranged or there's always something better. Like, <laughs> is that just to keep the interest going? Yeah. You can always improve a piece. So, so I'm always working on the little details. And, and I think that's sort of also as something that hinders me going forward with getting these pieces out and getting them all on the website because I have to wait till they're, 
perfect and, and up to my standards. That's an interesting problem. A lot of people, I think, get paralyzed by perfection yes. when you're making these custom pieces and when you're making small batch pieces. It must be hard not to get into the weeds. Like, <laughs> How do you get past that? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I swear, I, I don't. So every piece, like even the, the pieces that are sewn, like napkins and tea towels are sewn with the fabric that hasn't been pre-washed. So we wash the pieces afterwards. And so they're washed and ironed, every single one of them. So I, so at the same time, I can inspect every stitch and every, you know, every corner. What's next? Do you ever stop to eat? Do you take a break? Do you, do you have yeah. business planning meetings? Um. No, I do have a few, like with the Chamber of Commerce, the local Chamber of Commerce. I do try to attend some of the the, the meetings just so I can see other people <laughs> and um, like in my area. So I do try, um, but mostly in the during like lunchtime, I will take that time to uh, go for a run or go for a swim or, or do some some sort of training. And that's what's nice about like having a business and working on your own terms is, is that time like I can, you know, if I go out for a swim, if I'm not back by, you know, one thirty or two, no one's gonna, you know, no, boss <laughs> give me, down your neck. no, exactly. So, so, so that also is an, like, like I said, it's, it's a whole and taking that time um, is really important. And there's also one, um, one day a week where I actually have, uh, one hour piano lesson, you know, at the age of 40, I started taking piano lessons. So again, that was a part of the whole that I, that I needed some sort of musical literacy, I guess, that, that I wanted to acquire. So, so these are like little interest, you know, interspersed between working and then, you know, the kids get back from school at 3.30 um, so they, they manage on their own really well. And then there's activities and, and, and supper to prayer. So the, the days aren't very long, but I try to make them productive. No typical day, really <laughs> going back to that question. Um, I'm basically all over the place. <laughs> you're very busy, but the interesting thing about it is it sounds like your decisions to do this are very much based on finding uh, room in a day, room in your life, room in a week to do many different things that are important to you. Why do you make so much room? Why are these decisions important to you? I don't have any regrets in life. My only fear or not like it's not a fear. It's just a knowledge that one life is not enough for all I want to do and learn in this world. So, like, I have to do bite-sized pieces of everything I really enjoy and, and, and love and want to learn. And so, so I think that's why I'm sort of dispersed all over the place. What advice would you give to somebody who wanted to get into the linen game? Um, to not be afraid to try something new or something that's, that initially conjures up fear of failure or fear of making a mistake or fear of embarrassing yourself or that's irrelevant. That's totally irrelevant. Everyone, everyone makes mistakes and you need to make mistakes to, to learn. And, and you have to be curious, curious and, and, and find the people that can help you. Again, I, I spoke about seamstresses that are, you know, working from home all over the world and they have this knowledge that, that can be 
shared and, and, and you know, is, is very, very valuable. I mean, to me, I think, you know, making clothes or, or fabric goods is, is an essential service. And, and yeah, so, so finding those people that can help you, guide you, and, and not being afraid of, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. That's the only way, really, that can bring true meaning to what we do is, is if, you, the, if you tread the easy route, the, the one you know where it's going to lead you, there's no fun in that. <laughs> so where can people find you and find your stuff? So my website is uh, maisonlenco.ca or .com. And I'm at Maison Lenco on Facebook and Instagram. I also have a Maison Lenco YouTube channel, which um, speaking of going out of your comfort zone, I'm going to be making more videos. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll be watching. Thank you so much for being on the show and uh, sharing how you make a living. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Subscribe to Making a Living Show at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. Follow along at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you like what you hear, please share the show with someone you know. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.